Amen. There we go. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bible this, this evening, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter number 5, if you take your Bible to Matthew chapter number 5, I'm thankful for every single young person that did something tonight. Pray it was a blessing to you. And um, trying to, uh, in another generation that is coming up, we could just constantly give duties and responsibilities to those who have done it before. But I think teaching the next generation some of these responsibilities and some of these duties is very key and it's huge. Because one day, those people who are doing it now may not be here. But there's another generation that's coming up that needs to learn how to do some of these things. How to pray in public. How to sing in public. And so, how to share testimony. So those are things that, um, by God's grace... I aspire to be able to, we, we as a youth staff, I have such a great youth staff that works alongside my wife and I, so thankful for every single one of them. We have a great group of kids, and we're so thankful, taking a big group up to camp this year, and we're excited about that. But thank you for your prayers for us and our youth group and the children's ministry, as well as we do everything we can to reach this next generation with the gospel of Christ. It's, it's, um, it is, it is, becoming harder and harder in the world that we live. But God's grace does not get any weaker and weaker. And God's strength doesn't get any weaker and weaker. And we rely on that, and it's what we're looking for. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 13. The Bible says, this is a very famous passage of Scripture. The Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for what's already taken place. Pray that you'd help us tonight. Would you give wisdom to those who need wisdom? And I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. May I speak only the words you'd have me to speak tonight. And I'll give you the praise, the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. My goal tonight really is just twofold twofold. We look at a passage that is talking about being the salt of the earth, talking about a passage that says that ye are the light of the world. So my goal tonight is to help all of us see the impact that we can make right here by being salt and light in this world, especially our young people, being the salt and the light of the world where God has placed them. And then my second goal tonight is to help our older people See and understand the importance that our young people take a stand in such a wicked world that they live in, that we all live in. So I have just two goals tonight, but I wanted to start, and I wanted to give you a little bit of information. There was an article that was put out by the Christian Post. This article was done several years ago, but the article was titled this, Only a quarter of Gen Z attends church at least once a month, survey finds. And here's where some of the things that were listed in this article. In this article, 
it reads that some 14% of this Generation Z claim to identify as atheist or agnostic. 14%. Only 75% of Gen Z respondents said they identify as heterosexual or straight. 75%. Three out of four. 9% of Gen Z identified as bisexual. 4% of Gen Z identified as having another queer identity. 4% of Gen Z identified as transgender or non-binary. Now, then this same article, when asked about the importance of church, I want you to just think about this. When they were asked about the importance of church, 39% of Gen Z respondents said that religion is very important. 39%. 36% of Gen Z said that religion is somewhat important. But 23% of Gen Z said that religion is not very important at all in their life. I was talking with Pastor this morning, and I was sharing this with him, and we were just kind of talking. I've, when I tell you, I, I could have spent an hour here just sharing things and articles that I've read and information that I've gathered, but I, as all the research and study that I've done about this generation, I've done a lot of study on it in this generation. They, this generation Z comes from the millennial generation, the generation before it. And this generation that is being brought up now, I feel and I truly believe, and I hope that your heart is this as well, I truly believe that this generation that is being brought up, this Generation Z, I truly believe that they have a heart to search for what is right. I truly believe that they have an open heart. And that is why I think it is so important that we as Christians share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of that openness. Here's why I believe that. They've been brought up by a millennial generation. And a millennial generation, if you know the studies of the millennial generation, the millennial generation is like this with church and Jesus Christ. The millennial generation took as far of a step away from Jesus Christ as they possibly could and wanted to go the complete opposite direction. But now they're raising a generation Z that is being brought up and they're not forcing Jesus Christ on them at all. They don't want them to know about Jesus Christ. They don't want, they don't care what their kids, whatever my child does and the way they decide to go is whatever they want to do. And so I truly believe that these Generation Z children that are being brought up have an open heart and when they hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ or they see a Bible opened up or they see something brought to them, they go, oh, that's interesting. I want to know more about it. And so we as Christians, knowing that and having that background, I think it is more important for us now, knowing that information, to be able to go out and say, I need to share the gospel because there's a generation that's coming up that really is open and really wants to know the truth and wants to know what is going on in this world. There is a reporter, or I'm sorry, a senior vice president of research with Barna. And here's what she said about Gen Z. She said that Gen Z is different because they grew up in a post-Christian postmodern environment where many of them have not even been exposed to Christianity or to church. So that is a really unique shift, she says. Her name is Brooke Hempel. I want you to think about that. 
There's a generation that is being brought up that it, their parents want nothing to do with Jesus Christ, but they're teaching their children that whatever you want to do with your life, that's okay. And how, much, how awesome is that for Christians to be able to go in and say, let me share with you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me share with you how someone came to this earth, lived a perfect life, lived a sinless life, and died on a cross so that you could know a, a Savior and you could spend eternity in a place called heaven. And us as Christians, we have that opportunity. And we have the ability to be able to go and share the gospel with everybody. But I don't want to burst your bubble. But in our, in our backyard, in our backyard, there's a lot of evil being taught out there. A lot of evil. You look at our school system. You look at some of the things that are being passed in government. You look at some of the things that are going on. And, and we think it's in the government and in our, in our school system. But that school system is right in our backyard. It's right here. I want you to think about this. I have been told that at one of our local schools, there are six kids, six or seven, that identify as cats. Six or seven, I, I can't remember the exact number, six or seven. And that, that's happening in a school in this, in this area. And it's not just the fact that these children identify as cats, but there are uh, um, teachers that are helping push this in this school system, helping to promote this and helping to keep that going. And I just have, I I was talking with pastor about this this afternoon, and I asked this question, where does it stop? Where does it stop? Where, Where does the whole, where does the line come to an end and say, okay, this is too far? This is too far. There are teachers in one of our in a, in a school around here that are pushing and rallying for gender gender neutral bathrooms. A local school, middle school, mind you, recently within the past couple years, had a day where they encouraged their middle school students to use the bathroom of their choice for the day. If you identify as something else, you can use that bathroom. I know personally parents who would not let their children go to school on that day. Their young girls go to school on that day because they, did, they were afraid of what was going to happen. And I just want you to be aware, I'm sharing this because I'm just trying to share with you this, the, the severity of what is going on, and that's just local. I could have spent time sharing articles of things that are going on around the world, but I, that's local, that's right here, that's Englewood. So what, I say all that, but what do I, why do I say all that? Why do I share all that information? Why do I throw those statistics at you? I throw it at you for this, because that is the world our young people are being thrown into. That is the world that our young people are in school with. That is the world that our young people are playing sports in. That is the world, and you name it, that's the world our young people are in. And so how much more important is it for there to be a youth group, a church, where they can come and they can hear the gospel and they can hear the truth of the word of God and they can be fed what God's word said, what is right, what is wholesome, what is pure, what is holy, and they can come and they can hear the truth of the word of God and they can be changed. I'm so excited about all the young, the, the children and the teenagers that have, been getting, that have been getting saved and their lives changing just as a result of a friend going to them and saying, I, hey, I have a youth group or I'm in a kids program. I want you to come with me and be a part of this with me. And they come and they hear the gospel and they're saved and it, it changes their, their eternal destiny. It changes their life. And so tonight, I want to take a look at this subject of salt and light living. 
Salt and light living. Number one, I want you to notice this tonight. Salt. He said in verse number 13, ye are the salt of the earth. This is not anything new with me. This is, uh, there are many, many preachers and pastors that have preached a message on salt and light. There's nothing new. But I wanted to apply this tonight in the sense of talking about teenagers and talking about us and how we should live in this, how we can help our young people. So salt, salt. Verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. What does salt do? Number one, I want you to notice tonight, salt preserves. Salt preserves. What do I mean when I say it preserves? It has a twofold goal. Salt does two things. Salt has the, the, it seals stuff in. And so when you uh, save something, you can salt it. And it keeps the good in, right? How many of you have ever done that before where you've salted something to keep the good in? Salted meat, whatever it may be. They, that salt keeps the good in. But it also has a second goal, and that is to keep out the impurities. So it preserves what's in, but it keeps out what is supposed to be out. So that way nothing bad can be coming in. Salt as a pre- preserving agent, it keeps food from spoiling. I want you to think about it for a second. Salt, the Bible says we are to be the salt of the earth. Salt preserves. So as a preserving agent, keeping out what is supposed to be out, but keeping in what is supposed to be kept in. What's supposed to be kept in? The Bible says, hide God's word in your heart that thou shalt not sin against me. I want you to think about this. So many times we fill our, our heads with and it, look, there's nothing wrong with Netflix. There's nothing wrong with Amazon Video. There's nothing wrong with all of those social media outlets. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But we fill our minds with all sorts of things that the world is throwing at us and throwing at us and throwing at us when we don't take time to sit down and pour God's word into, our, into ourselves, into our minds, get God's word to be rolling and going through our heads. And inside is just running a bunch of these uh, uh, movies or shows or things that the world is throwing at us. And the and and in our heads is not going God's word. Hide God's word in your heart that thou that thy shall not sin against me. And I want you to think about this. Salt is a preserving agent. It's going to keep in what's supposed to be kept in, but it's going to keep out what's supposed to be kept out. When our, ki- when our young people go to school, they ought to be salt at their school. They ought to be a salty Christian. They ought to go to school, and they ought to keep out the impurities that ought to be kept out. And I'm just going to tell you this. It is thrown at them galore. When I tell you it is thrown at them galore, I could sit here and spend another hour going through statistics with you, but I won't. But I'm going to tell you this. This world is evil. And this world wants to take our young people and wants to crush them and wants to destroy them. But God says that there is a generation of young people that is being brought up that doesn't know God, but we have the ability to share the gospel with them. And how awesome it is, how awesome it is that we as a church can rally around our young people as they are in their schools, as they're in their sports teams, as they're out and about with their friends. We as a church can rally around them. We can take a young person on our side and we can say, hey, I know the world's trying to tell you this, but let me share with you what God's word says. Let me share with you some principles about God's word, about how you can be a preserving agent. You can keep be a salty Christian. You can keep out the impurities, but you can keep God's word in your heart. 
How important it is that we, as a, as a gener- whether you're the next generation or the generation older than that or the generation beyond that, how important it is that we take the time to invest in the generation that is being brought up now and say, hey, guess what? You can live pure in this world. You can do what's right in this world. You can be the Christian that God wants you to be in this world. It's not outdated to be a Christian. It's okay to be a God-sent human being and do it the right way. Salt preserves. In Roman times, salt was so important that soldiers were sometimes paid in salt. Did you know that? Some soldiers were sometimes paid in salt. That's where that phrase, a man who's worth his salt, comes from. And so the salty Christian will protect himself from the damaging influences of the world. So many places in the Bible, they tell us to be careful of sin and to keep sin out of our life. Proverbs 4.23 is a verse that we talk about in the youth group a lot. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? Why should I keep my heart with all diligence? Because out of your heart are the issues of life. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Five years in, a youth, in the youth ministry has really opened my eyes to knowing how important it is that our young people keep their hearts. It's sad, really sad, to watch as a young person gets pulled farther and farther away. Maybe they grew up in a Christian home and the world has just got its noose around them and it's pulling farther and farther. Or maybe they don't know anything about the Bible, they don't know anything about God, they don't know anything about Jesus Christ and they're submerged, they're, they're immersed and submerged in this world of just uh, the world and what is going on and the sin that it so easily besets every single one of us. And they're so immersed in it. And they look and they see that, that there are people that are living for God and they're doing what's right. And this is the scary part is they say, yeah, that can't be me. That came me, but we need to be teaching our young people and we as Christians ought to be a salty Christian that preserves and keeps the impurities out but keeps the good in. But salt doesn't just preserve, it purifies. You see it right there. Someone told me, I had heard a story a long time ago about a man who picked a head of broccoli about the size of a soccer ball. His wife said, and some of you probably know this and I've done it before, his wife said to immerse it in salt water. So take the broccoli and I want you to submerge it in salt water. So he did. And over an hour later, he took the broccoli out of the water and he rinsed it out and he looked in the water. And there were about 12 green worms that came off the broccoli. And he looked at his wife. He said, you're smart. I should listen to you more. But salt has this purifying agent. It's a, it's a purifying agent. That's why you put salt water on like a wound or something like that. When you go to the beach and you get in the water and you have a cut, it doesn't feel very good because there's a purifying agent as a salt. And salt purifies by killing germs. So let me ask you this. When you walk into a room, do you automatically purify the room or does the room get, the spiritual temperature of the room get even darker and darker? What we're trying to do and what I aspire and what I, my goal is when, when John Boucher walks into a room, that the spiritual temperature of the room doesn't get lower, the spiritual temperature rises. 
It ought to be every one of our goals. When our young people go to school, when they come up on a group of friends, when they walk into that group of friends, their sp- the spiritual temperature of what is going on ought to rise and it ought not to lower. The spiritual temperature ought to be one that goes higher and purifies that which is around it. It shouldn't be that which goes lower and lower. And Christian, today, whatever, whatever spot of life you find yourself, when you come upon a conversation or you come into something and you're at a dinner or you're wherever it is, are you the purifying agent? Are you the salt of the earth? The Bible says you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt's lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Guess what? The Bible calls us to be a salty Christian. And if we're not going to be a salty Christian, the Bible says it's good for nothing. So you know what we ought to do? We ought to be the salt of the earth. We ought to keep out the impurities. We ought to keep in that which is good. But we ought to purify that which is around us. But then I want you to look at this. I want you to look at light. Go to verse number 14 with me. He didn't say, you're just the salt of the earth. He said, ye are the, verse number 14, ye are the light of the world. And then I want you to catch what he says. He didn't just say, hey, you're the light of the world. But he said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be, what? Hid. He says, hey, men don't light a candle and then put it under a bushel. You know what men do? They light a candle and they put it out so everyone can see it. Why would you light a candle and then hide it? Why would you light a candle and then put stuff over it so no one could see it? You light a candle so you can see. I want to talk about this light. Think about light. What does light do? Light repels. I know all of you have probably heard, because I think it's pastor's favorite story, but I think all of you have heard the story of pastor in the cave. How many of you have never heard that story? Really? I'm very, I'm, I'm ashamed. You haven't told the story enough. But Pastor loves the story because he's the hero in this story. And so he loves the story about the cave. And he's in a cave. And when they turn the lights out in the cave, we're down there as a family. He doesn't tell the story where we're all as a family. It's just my sister for some reason. Because he's the hero with my sister. So the other bit of the family does not exist. But we're in this cave and we're all down there. All of us, every, all five. We're in this cave. And the man says, shut the lights off. And we're like, okay, he's going to shut the lights off. How many of you have ever been in a cave before? Yeah. Shuts the lights off. You know what I'm about to say. Shuts the lights off. You can't see that. No matter how hard you try, no matter how big you put your eyes, you can't see that. It's not happening. If you've never been in a cave it's crazy. You can't, you can't see anything. So the way my dad tells the story is I'm down there with my daughter and we're down there and the man, shuts, the man shuts the lights off and all of a sudden he feels her hand grab his hand. Why? <laughs> when I said cave, he knew what I was about to say. She grabbed his hand. Why did she grab his hand? Because she didn't know what was going on around, but she knew that dad was there. And the minute that that guy turned the lights off and you can't see anything, all of us are freaking out at this point. How are we going to get light in here? How are we going to be able to see to go back to that elevator to get back up there? Because I want to get out of here because this is scary. And he takes out of his pocket, he takes a lighter. 
And a lighter, you don't think about a lighter being very bright, right? But it, just, it gives off light. And he takes that lighter out and he just switches it on. And you can see everybody. You can see every person in the group, the whole circle. You can see them all. But you know what light did? You know what that lighter did? It repelled the darkness. That lighter, that little bit of light that was given off with that lighter, it repelled the darkness. And I want you to think about this. The Bible says you're the light of the world. And every single one of us, when we go into a world that is dark, and mind you, it's getting darker and darker, and every one of you can attest to that, it is so much more important, the darker it gets, that we as Christians, the light of the world, we do shine the light brighter and brighter. Why? Because there are people that are in that darkness that don't know where to go. And the light repels the darkness. And when our young people go to school, we need to make sure that we are doing everything we can do to encourage them to be the light in their school, to be the light that repels the darkness. Don't give in to the darkness. Don't just live with the light off, but go to school with the light on and make sure you are the Christian you ought to be. Why? Because the light shines brighter in the darkness. And I've had a lot of people tell me, well, I'm just going to take my, uh, I'm going to take, and I'm just not going to be a part of the world at all. I'm just not going to be a part of the world at all. I'm going to live in my house, and I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm not going to talk to anybody, and I'm just going to be my own thing. That doesn't accomplish anything. You know what the Bible says? I'm going to be in the world, but not of the world. And can I tell you this? When the world gets darker and darker, that light shines brighter and brighter. Just this past week, I had the opportunity to pray with someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it all came because there was a Christian that wanted to share her light. It all came because an, an owner of a barbershop said, I want, to show, I want to shine my light. You know what? As I came in to get my hair cut, she said to me, can you pray with this person? I've really been trying to be a witness at a testimony. His baby was just born and has some complications and they may have to have brain surgery. Would you pray with this, would you pray with this new dad? He's a first-time dad and his son may have to have brain surgery. And he said, she said, would you pray with him? I said, absolutely, I will pray with him. He came back in. I said, Fabian, I said, would we be able to pray with you? He's not a believer, doesn't know Jesus Christ as a Savior. And he looked at me and he said, yes. Right there in the middle of the barbershop. We were able to pray. And I want you to know something. All of that came. And this man has been introduced to Jesus. Because there is someone that wants to shine a light. That has darkness around her. And I'm going to tell you. In the schools. There's darkness. But we have lights. All around us. On our sports teams. There's darkness. But there's light all around. And I want you to know this, where you work, where you grocery shop, where you get gas, there's darkness. But you're a light. And light repels darkness. I heard a story of a guy who worked in a restaurant. And he went in there at nighttime. He took a friend in there after hours to the back room of the restaurant. And he threw a piece of fried chicken on the ground. Shut the lights off after he threw the fried chicken on the ground. He took it, he threw it on the floor, and he shut the lights off. And after he shut the lights off, he waited about 20, 30 seconds, and you could hear little feet moving around. So you know where I'm going with this. 
he heard little feet moving around. And after about 20, 30 seconds, he turns the light back on. About 50 rats took off running. I'll tell you what restaurant it is after if you pay me 20 bucks. No, I'm just kidding. And he, he threw the light on and 50 rats took off running. I want you to think about this. Why did they run? Because they ran away from the light. Men love darkness rather than light. And that's why when we shine the light, sometimes we get a little bit of kickback. Sometimes we get a little bit of hurt. Sometimes it's not easy. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. So light repels. But lastly, I want you to notice this. What does light do? Light attracts. This is the most important part of the whole thing. I want you to catch this. Light attracts. Light is one of the most attractive forces on earth. You know that? Next time you're out, have you ever been to that sports complex over there? Next time you're out of that sports complex, I used to go watch some of these girls go play softball. Actually, I still do watch some of the girls during softball season. We go out there at night and go watch softball games. And at the softball games, if you ever go there and you're looking up at those field lights at night, I want you to just look and try to count how many mosquitoes and flies and everything you see. What's happening? The light is attracting those those insects, those uh, mosquitoes, they're attracting them. And a light, you as a light, ought to be attracting other people around you to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Men don't light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick and it gives light to all that are in the house whatever house that god's placed you in wherever grocery store god's placed you in would you put your light on a candlestick and would you let people see your light because light attracts when we go to our schools one of the biggest things that i really just try to try to try to instill is being a testimony where god has placed you i mean think about it if we just were walking testimonies of what God has done in our life, think about the light that that would be. Just forget anything else. Just try to be a walking testimony. Guess what? You're an automatic light. It's attracting. As you go into the grocery store, be a walking testimony. I have a weird personality. All of you know that. I'm just a different guy. When I'm somewhere, I'm just kind of happy-go-lucky, and that's just kind of how I am. I was, I've been places where I've been kind of, how are you? You know, someone says, hey, how can I help you? Hey, how are you? That's just how I am. And you know, I've been able to strike up conversations with people about the gospel, about Jesus Christ, about what I do for a living, where I go to church, all because I've just got this weird personality about myself and i'm not going to say that you got to have the personality of john boucher tonight but i am going to say could you go into the grocery store or could you go to the gas station or could you go into work next week and maybe have a little bit of a testimony about you maybe someone that uh, declares jesus christ declare the gospel like we had last year maybe be a walking testimony can i tell you light attracts 
Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works. And they're not going to glorify you. It's not that the people can come to you and say, wow, you are such a good Christian. No, I don't do it for that. I don't do good works for that. I do good works so that people can glorify my Father, which is in heaven, because there are people in this world that will never know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior unless you did something for them. I'm just being honest with you. We do the love works Every year, pretty much every year. And I remember the first year we had a couple people saved as a result of the Love Works. I remember that first year we did it, we were all over the place in Englewood. And I remember coming back and hearing reports of a couple people being saved. And it was all because people of Calvary Baptist Church decided that we were going to go out and let our light so shine before men that they will see the good works and they'll glorify our Father which is in heaven. So here's the question tonight. Do people see Jesus in me? Wherever, whatever stage of life you're at tonight, very simple message, very pointed message, but I just want you to think about this. Do people see Jesus in me? I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed, please. The Bible talks about you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, and we are to be salt and light in this world. And tonight, everyone's head is bowed and everyone's eyes closed. I'm the only one looking in the room. But how many of you would be here tonight? And you'd say, Johnny, you know, I realize that tonight, I realize the importance for each of us to be salt. And like, Johnny, there's a, there's a world out there that needs the gospel. And I, tonight, I'm acknowledging tonight that it is important that I be salt and that I be light. How many of you do slip your hand up and say, I realize the importance of that tonight? Yes, hands all over the building, yes. You can put your hands down. How many of you realize tonight that it's important that our young people be salt and light where God's placed them? Would you slip your hand up? You can put your hands down. I can't tell you the burden that's been on my heart to reach the next generation. I love our young people. I give time. I love what I do. But what happens in this world with our young people does not just depend on one person, John Boucher. So I'd like to ask this tonight. How many people tonight would commit to praying for two things? Number one, that you would be salt and light. But secondly... How many of you tonight, by a raise of hand, would commit to pray for our young people that they would be bold enough to be salt and light? Would you slip your hand up? 